You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. A lot to get to today, including a conversation about the CBA. Uh, I'm going to answer a lot of your questions. That's going to be the focus today. But I want to start with the CBA because it's really important for the Packers. And it's important for the Packers because they're not going to have a ton of cap space. And if a new CBA is in place, it affects how much they can spend this offseason. So go back to 2019. They paid huge sums of money to Preston and Zadarius Smith. They paid a lot to Adrian Amos and Billy Turner, but they were able to, because of the way the cap works, they were able to slide in the year of 2019 much lower cap hits in and essentially put off that money. Plus, when you sign long-term deals, you get to spread the signing bonus money out. The problem is, and this is something that uh, they, they wrote about over at Packer Report, Ken Ingalls had a thread on Twitter about this, and the 30% rule, and, and I know this all seems technical and, and annoying, and guess what? It is, but it's also really important. You, The goal of the 30% rule is to prevent teams from saying, okay, we're going to sign a contract. We're going to sign a $60 million contract, and we're going to push off all of those costs or most of them to years where we don't know what the cap is going to look like. It could be an uncapped season if there isn't a CBA in place. If there is no collective bargaining agreement in place, we could have a season where there is no salary cap. And if that's the case, teams don't have to care about how much money they spend. And what we have right now is the the NFL Players Association voted on Friday. The executive committee voted against recommending the CBA proposal. Now, that is not the end of it. It is not the death knell for it. It's not back to the drawing board. The 32-man board of representation, the player reps for each team are still going to vote on it, but it sounds like we are not going to get a CBA ratified on this round. It seemed like we were close. I think some of the the details leaked. We talked about the 17-game season on here and, and, and the potential problems there. This is a situation, though, that, that matters for Green Bay because if they want to sign a Corey Littleton, for example, they could do the same thing they did with Zadarius Smith and say, okay, in year one, this is only going to cost $6 million on the cap. Well, that's a lot harder 
and frankly impossible in all likelihood given what his market value is going to be if you're doing that in order to push off a lot of this expense into seasons where there is not a CBA. So the CBA expires after 2020. If you're signing a contract that goes into 2021, 2022, you are pushing that money into seasons that could be uncapped because we do not have an agreement. I I hope this does not sound like you've stumbled upon, you know, the Mad Money podcast or anything like that. But this is important for the Packers. It's important for every team. And this is why teams want to get this done. This is why the players want to get this done. This is why the players were willing to negotiate, I assume, willing to negotiate a deal that is not ideal for them. They've given up the the majority of revenue share. They used to have it, by the way. They they used to have this flipped. They used to have 53% of revenue, and they've given things back. They've given concessions up. They've given money up to get things like health benefits, fewer padded practices, and, and a lot of different things. And there are in this CBA a number of important provisions that could help the players, things that are good for the players. The money part is the problem. Getting it fixed, getting a deal done before the new league year opens in, in a little under a month allows teams to push money into the future, whereas they couldn't if we don't get a deal done. So the fact that this right now does not look like it's going to pass, makes it harder for the Packers to have flexibility going into free agency for Russ Ball, who is as smart and adept as any front office manager of money in the league. It makes it a lot harder for him to do his job. And so for the Packers, they want to get this deal done. And maybe that affects how the players vote. I doubt it. But we'll see what happens. I understand why the owners like it. Uh, we, we talked extensively about it yesterday and, and the, the pros of having that revenue share. It does make sense for everyone, though, to put together a deal so that everyone has understanding of how these things work and it gives players maximum flexibility to go to destinations that would be otherwise difficult to create room for because if Corey Littleton wants to go and play for a contender, let's say he wants to play for the Packers, he wants to go beat the 49ers and and compete for a Super Bowl, that becomes really difficult. His representation, his agents, him as a member of the Players Association, he should want this to get done so that he has maximum flexibility going into free agency. Everyone wants a deal done. It just has to make sense. Now, one player who the Packers could have interest in outside of the potential of free agency and someone who may not need to worry about these rules because he could be looking at, you know, one year type deal is Snacks Harrison, someone that I've I've gotten a lot of questions about and someone that I think Green Bay could have some potential interest in. Let's open this discussion up with this question. Sam Espino on Twitter says, hey, Peter, what's happening? A little bit, you know, a little bit different than than the normal what's happening. Would the release of Snacks Harrison be a good pickup for the Packers as the elite run defender we need? If the price is right and motivation to play against his former team, it seems like a move to make. Thanks, Peter. Love the show. Keep up the Lord's work. So an interesting question here is whether or not Snacks Harrison, Damon Harrison, is motivated to play. Now, he says he wants to keep playing. You will remember at the end of the season. He gave a tear-soaked, essentially, apology 
to the Detroit fans because he felt like he wasn't healthy, couldn't play to his normal level, wasn't able to be on the field as often. He's on the injury report every week and couldn't play to the level that he felt he is capable of playing. Yes, he is on the older side, on the wrong side of 30, so to speak, but he's only 31. It's not like he's ancient, doesn't turn 32 until after Thanksgiving, so there's still some some time left, and if he wants to play, he's the exact kind of guy that you can play if you want to play small, and this is something we're going to talk a lot about today. If you want to play small, you put Kenny Clark in the middle, you put Damon Harrison in the middle, and you can play no linebackers if you want to because you can you have that much beef inside to eat up blockers. That is such an advantage for the Packers if they can find and he could be someone who, you know, he was he was on the books. The Lions released him to save significant amount of cap. They released him from a contract that was going to pay him eight and a half million dollars this year. What is he willing to accept? Now if he wants to go and try and win a Super Bowl, Green Bay presents him with that potential option. And if he's willing to do it for five, six million, I think that would be an even bigger boost than trying to find a veteran linebacker because those two guys eating up blocks in the middle of the field, man, that really makes things easier for you as a defense. You can put a rookie behind him, and even if that rookie is wrong with his reads or whatever, these this defensive front with Preston Zadarius Smith and Kenny Clark and Snacks Harrison. They can make you right even when you're wrong because they're going to create so many opportunities for these guys behind to make tackles and make it so you're not able to punish the Packers for playing small behind their defensive front. All right, now let's talk about those linebackers. Austin on Twitter asks, if Green Bay continues to play small and both guys are available at 30, who makes the middle of the field better? Bond put next to Raven Green or Ibrahim Campbell or Delpit as the third safety coverage inside linebacker next to a replacement level inside linebacker? His suggestion is Curtis Bolton. This is a fascinating discussion and it is one that the Packers could be having right now. Which makes the team better? And I think the, the question is, how big a need do you think that inside linebacker is? If you're Mike Patton, does that unlock your defense? To have that guy, does that change everything for the way you're able to play? And when you think of the guys the last couple of years that they've gone into the season at that position, it hasn't been premium players. Jermaine Whitehead is an undrafted free agent. Raven Green is an undrafted free agent. Ibrahim Campbell was someone who was cut and came in off the street. I don't know that they think that player needs to be a a top talent. Chandon Sullivan came in as a dime safety cornerback hybrid and played extremely well for them. Do they need a a premium asset there? That would be the Delpit. Now, the, the value conversation comes in here as well. So let's say there's no receiver on the board or offensive lineman on the board here that Green Bay feels comfortable with. Okay, that leaves you. And But there are these, these two linebackers. Now, I have not watched the safeties. I do not have an opinion on Grant Delpit or, or Xavier McKinney or any of these top safeties in the draft yet. But let's say Delpit is a player of comparable value or quality to Zach Bond. How does each make this team better? Well, 
Delpit gives you the ability to play differently. He, he, he gives you the ability to play Darnell Savage in a slot corner honey badger type role, something um, that my, my colleague and friend of the show, Ross Uglum, has proposed in the past, and that is play Darnell Savage like Tyron Matthew. Play him like Honey Badger. Let him play in the slot. Let him play deep. Let him cover over the middle of the field as an overhang defender. Play deep middle, deep half. Wherever you want to play him, you can play him. And you can play big nickel, which the Packers really do want to play. They want to play with that three safety nickel look and big up front or relatively big up front. That would, that would provide them a lot of flexibility to do that. It would also provide them the flexibility to play Amos more in the box in base situations. The problem with that is you still need someone at linebacker that you believe in. Okay, so there, there you have that problem. You still need to have that linebacker. Now, maybe they feel good about Curtis Bolton or Oren Burks or Ty Summers, who we're going to get to in just a second. My thought, though is flip it the other way. You can play Zach Bond in the middle. He's going to impact the field as a as a run defender, as a blitzer, and in coverage. And you can play Shannon Sullivan in nickel. Just play regular nickel and move or or Sullivan as a safety. Maybe they're going to try Josh Jackson as a safety. Maybe Josh Jackson is that guy. And then you have the option to play a little bit more traditionally in terms of nickel, even though you deploy it in a non-traditional kind of way. Just play base nickel. Okay, so that to me is the better option. I think making that that value calculation, though, is something that the Packers are going to have to do. It also brings us to an important conversation about the linebackers already on this roster. And did not plan this, but this is another uh, question from an Austin listener. I'll let him ask his question. Hey, Peter. Just wanted to say a couple of things. First of all, I, I love the conversation on Wednesday's show about Zach Bond. I think that would be a home run first round pick uh, for the Packers. Um, getting a Wisconsin alum, that would be awesome. Um, also had a question for you in the linebacker conversation. What, what are your thoughts on Ty Summers? I know he was a later round pick, um, had some flashes in the preseason. A little inconsistent, but what do you think of him? He did flash some sideline-to-sideline ability. You just want to know what your thoughts are on him. This is Austin Berlin calling from Salt Lake City, Utah. Thanks. Shout out to Utah. Locked On Podcast Network was created in Utah, started in Utah. So shout out to all the people there listening. Um, Ty Summers is a name that I hear a lot from fans because they saw him in the preseason make a bunch of tackles. And... I want to caution you, number one, tackle numbers can be very misleading. Just ask Blake Martinez. Ty Summers is more athletic than Blake, not materially better in coverage than Blake, and although he made a lot of tackles and and was impressive over stretches in the preseason, Ty Summers, no question, um, he was being outplayed by Curtis Bolton. And there was a reason Curtis Bolton was in line to be the starter next to Blake Martinez is because he played better. Now, Summers is someone who I think, if he needed to play, could give you some snaps, but is not someone that you want to hand the reins. Now, if they go this route, if they think the value is adding coverage players to give them maximum flexibility with their secondary, they bring in a Delpit or a Xavier McKinney, for example, that would underscore faith that they have in players like Ty Summers, Curtis Bolton, and Oren Burks. 
Ty Summers would get a chance to compete, to be one of the other guys involved there. I don't think he's someone who is a long-term future type player. I, I just I want to caution those of you who look at preseason or look at athletic testing and say, oh, well, this is the guy who can come in and do it. There's a reason there's the old cliche of the, the most popular guy on a college football campus is the backup quarterback. It always seems like, man, just if we could just get the, the, the backup quarterback in there, we'd, we'd be a national title team. The grass is not always greener. Generally speaking... And I know that Packer fans are going to point to people like Aaron Jones and say, this isn't true. Generally speaking, the starters are starting for a reason. The starters are playing because they're better than the guys behind them. And Ty Summers is a young player, so maybe he wasn't given the opportunity Blake Martinez was because Blake was a veteran, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to find out a lot in this spring about how the Packers feel about these linebackers because we'll see how much... Uh, capital is spent on improving the position and and where they're left come minicamp, who is going to be the the guy. I'd be, I'd be surprised if it were Ty Summers, but for those of you who remember when we did our offseason uh, rookie show last year, our rookie orientation series with Ty Summers, the conversation was how hard it's going to be to cut him because he's going to bust his ass. He's going to play for you on special teams. He's going to know the defense. He's going to know where to be. He's going to know where to go. And if he can clean up the tackling, yeah, maybe he could be someone who is going to fire his guns and get downhill and make plays. And maybe if they have someone like Damon Harrison in there, they feel more comfortable with someone like Ty Summers behind him. That is an interesting confluence of events if that all comes together. I think Harrison being a signee could change the way they view the linebacker position. If they were able to get Snacks Harrison in the fold before free agency, it may affect the way that they look at free agency. And they say, we feel comfortable with Curtis Bolton, Oren Burks, and Ty Summers going into the draft, finding someone there potentially, and then moving forward. And if we if we don't get anybody, we're fine because we feel so strongly about that front four and we really like our back four. And you can probably even go back five at this point. So where, where does Green Bay need to get better? In the middle. What they think about these linebackers will be revealed before we see them on the football field again because the Packers' moves, or lack thereof, will be a strong signal to what Green Bay is thinking when it comes to the future of these players. All right, I want to end on here. Hello, Peter. Uh, no name on this question, and I, I don't like to use those because I want everyone to get credit, but you didn't leave your name, and I like the question, so we're going to answer it. What's your stance on trading out of the first? If Murray is off the board or right tackle Jones, I assume he means Josh Jones, are you pro-trade back? I think there are loads of receivers to be had. Jefferson, Rager, my favorite, Ayuk, in early second. I would propose a trade back with Indy at 34 to get their fourth which is 112. I could see Indy wanting to trade back into the first if Jordan Love, Jacob Eason is on the board. Even if they sign Rivers, Green Bay has traded one third, three-fourths, and five, and a fifth the last two years. I think they need more picks in the three, four, five range. All right, first of all, we overvalue mid-round picks. That's just the truth of it. The draft is is four rounds, but it's really like one and a half, two rounds. And that is where the, the best players come from. That is where you're most likely to get good players. So worrying about not having a fourth-round pick is not that big a deal. And giving up third-round picks, if you're getting a good player, 
not a big deal. Green Bay traded a player they knew they weren't going to keep for a fourth-round pick. They used that fourth eventually to get Darnell Savage, and that is an easy call. So I'm not worried about you know the the trading of mid-round picks and the loss of, of potential value there because they still have a first, they still have a second, and they're going to have 10 draft picks in this draft. Plenty of capital to maneuver around if they need to, plenty of capital to trade down and get more picks if they need to. But let's answer the heart of this question, and that is, if the stud linebackers are off the board, and the stud offensive tackles are on the board because there's a there's a pretty big drop-off at both of those positions after the top guys. If you're sitting there and you're staring Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rager, Brandon Ayo, KJ Hamler, all these guys in the face, and you think in four spots, three of them are going to be there, unless you think one of them is significantly better than the others. And for me, that's Justin Jefferson in this group. But if you don't think that there's that big a difference, then yeah, trading down makes a ton of sense. And I could see the Packers, especially in a deep draft, saying, look, missed out on linebacker, missed out on offensive tackle, so we're going to have to wait on those positions anyway. Trading down to add picks and still get a player we really like who we think is of comparable value to the player we could take right now. That is always the smart pick. That's always the smart way to go. So I certainly think Green Bay will consider it. It's it's something they've done over and over. It's something they did a lot with Ted Thompson. Brian Gutekinds has been a little bit more apt to trade up. But the first thing he did with a, a high draft pick and let's not forget, the Jair, Jair Alexander pick came at 17, but that first pick was 14. So we talk about, oh, the Rashawn Gary pick, the highest pick they've had in years. That's only sort of true. The difference between the 12th pick and the 14th pick, not that big. So, you know, the 14th pick, Brian Gutekunst gets praised for not making it because he traded and got an extra first-round pick out of it and still wound up with a really, really good player. The difference between 12 and 14, not that big. Same thing. Difference between 30 and 34, not that big. So if you can add value to, to make that move, yeah, do it. You know, Even 36 might get a little bit more value out of going down that far. That was what they did to get Jordy Nelson. And maybe a receiver is their first pick, but my guess is there's going to be a cluster of players they feel similarly about and could move down. That would be the circumstance. It's just as likely, though, that they fall in love with one of these guys, that they fall in love with T. Higgins or Jalen Rager or Justin Jefferson or Brandon Ayuk, and they say, if this guy's there, he's our guy. And, and Brian Gutekunst has talked openly about their fixating on players in the past. They did it with Rashawn Gary. I mean, early in the process, Rashawn Gary was their guy. They loved him, for better or for worse. And, you know, the, the Packers are going to need him to be good. That's not the point of this discussion. A trade down is absolutely in the cards because the the other positions that they need, you know, if you look at the value places where they can draft players who can make an impact over the life of their rookie contract, offensive tackle, linebacker, receiver are the top three. I think you can add in after that tight end, maybe a running back, but you're not going to do that early. So if if you don't have a linebacker to pick and you don't have an offensive tackle to pick and you have a cluster of receivers to pick, yeah, the e, it's an easy call to say trade down unless one of those guys really stands out to you, and then you should pick him anyway. 
irrespective of what's going on at linebacker or offensive tackle. If you think there's a guy that's just a lot better than all the rest of the players on the board, take that guy. All right, we're going to be back next week to get you set for the NFL Combine. Matt LaFleur is going to talk. Brian Gutekunst is going to talk. We're going to give you coverage of whatever they have to say. However uninsightful that it is, um, they may offer some nuggets. They may drop some hints and some clues. Brian Gutekunst is is a candid front office manager. He is certainly more candid than, than Ted Thompson has been. And I think Matt LaFleur, even though he speaks in a lot of football cliches, is earnest I think he is is not out to obfuscate or um, you know subvert the truth. He he is willing to be as honest as he can. It just comes off cliche a lot of times because he's that kind of football coach. He believes in the the truisms of the game. So we'll see what they have to say, and, and then we'll get you ready, get you set. Hopefully, get a guest in to preview the combine. Guys with a lot to prove, names to watch for the Packers, a lot to talk about when it comes to the combine. And look. It, Look at how fast he went. We're already, it seems like just yesterday I was saying, Combine will be here before you know it. But that was like a month ago. And then, you know, a month is going to pass and it's going to be free agency. And then a month is going to pass again. And all of a sudden the draft is going to be here. So stay up to date with all of it, with us, with our Locked on Packers newsletter every week. We send you the best Packers content right to your email address. You can sign up for that. I tweet out the link every week on Twitter. You can search it. It's a it's a MailChimp site. If you look for Locked on Packers, you'll be able to find it. Or just go to my Twitter feed. Follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to be a part of a show like this one, hit me up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline. You can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.